This is a presentation of LifePoint Church. Our mission is to make gospel-centered disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information, please visit sharethelife.org. Matthew 21, 1 through 17, which can be found on page 826 in the Pew Bibles in front of you. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Hey, I want to, uh, this is the week, as Zach was teeing, teeing up, this is, uh, for Christians, this is Super Bowl week, and the cool thing is, today, we know that we win the Super Bowl next Sunday. It's really, really fun uh, to be able to go through this week because of the assurance of salvation for those of us who have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and I don't want to be uh, assuming that everyone in the room is, is at the same place of assurance and salvation through, Christ, through faith in Christ our Lord. Uh, not all of us are there, um, but I want you to know every one of you uh, has been prayed for uh, this week and even this morning. We have prayed for each one of you as you walk into this room to hear the gospel maybe for the first time or um, yet another time. Let us be refreshed by it. I want to update you on what this week looks like as we go through the scriptures. Uh, what happened during the week of uh, of today, what we're calling Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry when we're going to be focusing on Jesus as he arrives into Jerusalem. Uh, that's what Sunday was about. Jesus entered Jerusalem and, he, and he, he was riding in on a donkey. The day after that, Monday, Jesus clears and cleanses the temple. Tuesday, Jesus' authority is questioned as he teaches in the temple. Wednesday, Judas agrees to betray Jesus. One of Jesus' closest friends and disciples agrees to betray Jesus. That's Wednesday. Thursday, Jesus eats the Last Supper with his disciples. And Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Remember, that's where Jesus knew what was coming. And he was in great anguish. And he was praying fervently to where even capillaries in his forehead were, tiny capillaries were bursting. And he was sweating drops of blood as he knew what was going to be coming the next day. This was Thursday. Jesus is arrested. Friday, Jesus is questioned by Annas, which is the father-in-law of the chief priest Caiaphas. Jesus is then condemned by Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. Pilate, the governor, questions Jesus, and he sends him over to the king, King Herod Antipas, and Jesus appears before him, and then he sends him back to Pilate. Pilate doesn't see anything wrong with him, but the, the crowd is chanting to release Barabbas and to kill, to crucify Jesus. And so Pilate condemns Jesus to death, and Jesus is crucified. Jesus is buried in the tomb of Joseph of Marathia. This is uh, the leader. What do you expect of your leaders? As Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, the holy city, there is a great stir happening. What do we expect of our leaders today? What is our anticipation of leaders? Well, as Jesus is arriving into Jerusalem, there's quite a stir happening. And people are asking this question, who is this? Who is this? We're going to hear through the text how people are responding to him differently, but remember there's different audiences here in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, they are under the guidance and, and rule of Rome. So there's Romans watching this happen, and this, this Jesus is, is, walking, is, is riding in on a colt. So this first observation that we're going to look at here today is who is this? This is who is this man riding in on a donkey's colt? So there's mother donkey and the donkey's colt, and Jesus is riding in on this colt. We see this in verse four and five of Matthew chapter twenty-one. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, "This prophet is Zechariah," and I'm going to show you in just a moment what Zechariah had to say, but Matthew records it this way, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, Israel, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. We get this from Zechariah just at the, at the very end of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, is, is read like this, rejoice Greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is Jesus fulfilling scripture from hundreds of years before his, his birth. And he is coming forward. And so the Romans are looking at this and saying, what a, this, is, this is silly. They're saying... Uh, Save us, Hosanna, save us, save us. And this guy riding in on a, on a 
cute little donkey that's never been ridden before. They need its mother there because it's never been ridden before to keep it contained because this is a king coming in on a donkey. Now the, the chief priests and the scribes and those who knew the word, they know what's happening. They know because David came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. King David, hundreds of years before Jesus, was riding in on a donkey. This is displaying his kingship. Jesus is fulfilling scripture, found in Zechariah 9, 9. Now what's unique here is that I wanna take a look at how Matthew states this as he, re, as he recites Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and in his verse five, verse five, he says, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey. That word humble is used just three other times in the New Testament. This word humble, Prius, is, is to be describing of something gentle, of something meek. Meek is, is not a weak word. Meek is really something that is strength under control, and gentle and mild. It's used three other times. It's used in Sermon on the Mount, Behold, uh, the meek will inherit the earth, it's Matthew chapter five, verse five, and then also here in our chapter, chapter 21, it's also used in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, when Peter is in, encouraging wives to have a gentle spirit about them. And then lastly, it's used here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. And this is a beautiful passage. This is a passage where you look in all the Gospels that are recorded, 89 different chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's one section in there. There's one section that we see here in Matthew 11, chapter 28 through 30, that Jesus is going to reveal who he see, how he sees himself. He's gonna look inside of himself and he's gonna to display to us how he sees himself. Let's, don't miss this, listen to this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, Jesus is speaking this way of himself. Come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Did you catch it? It's right there in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. This is how Jesus sees himself. And so, so this is really important for us to see if this is the, the drop-down menu for who Jesus is about, about me, we need to know that this is, this is important. Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. He is mild. He is gentle. He is meek. And lowly is really capturing the idea that he is accessible. He's accessible to you. People see him as accessible. They run to him. They cling to him. People feel that as if that they can just touch him. They could be healed, and they are. Jesus is, Jesus is, is, is gentle, meek, lowly. This is who he says he is. I want to look for a second here that, G, that a great book that is, uh, I found that you'll be encouraged. Our new youth pastor has this on his desk. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And I want to read for you for, uh, just a passage that is describing this section that I just explained to you. 
of Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Dane says, in one place in the Bible where the Son of God pulls back the veil and lets us peer way down into the core of who he is, we are not told that he is austere and demanding in heart. We are not told that he is exalted and dignified in heart. We are not even told that he is joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus set the terms, his surprising claim is that he is gentle and lowly in heart. One thing to get straight right from the start is that when the Bible speaks of the heart, whether Old Testament or New, it is not speaking of our emotional life, but only, not, not only speaking of our emotional life only, but of the essential animating center of all we do. This is what gets us out of bed in the morning what we daydream about as we drift off to sleep. It is our motivation headquarters. The heart, in biblical terms, is not part of who we are, but the center of who we are. Our heart is what defines and directs us. That is why Solomon tells us to keep the heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life, Proverbs 4.23. The heart is a matter of life. It is what makes us the human being each of us is. The heart drives all we do. It is who we are. And it is at this point that we look at Jesus as he tells us who he is. He is gentle and lowly. This is our Jesus. You know, as I think about these people, as they are seeing Jesus arrive, and they are laying out, they are laying out palms, they are laying out cloaks, on the ground. It's like as if they're laying out the red carpet for here comes their king and they're shouting, save us, save us, Hosanna, save us. And the Roman world is watching and they're saying, man, what kind of entry is this? You know, what, what king is this coming in on the foal of a donkey? This is kind of, a, kind of a joke. But again, those who know how Jesus is entering, they know he is entering with a purpose the purpose to demonstrate that he is fulfilling scripture. Did you ever know, you know, as these people are surrounding Jesus, and they, I, don't, I think they're thinking at this point that this king, that, that be a new king for us, a new hope, maybe a new strategy, maybe get us out from underneath Rome's thumb. Maybe this is how they're thinking of this King Jesus. But lo, they, they have no idea what the week is going to unfold for them. They don't know that they are meeting an eternal king, a righteous king. They do not know that they're celebrating a king that will rule forever and ever and ever. Maybe you're like me, you've met people and you didn't realize the influence that they would have in your life until later on. I know for certainly it happened for me when I was 18 years old and I made a profession to trust Christ as my Lord and Savior at midnight. It, was, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Little did I know, little did I know about the effect that that would have not just on my earthly life, but my eternal life. Little did we know the influence that people will have in our lives, the influence people have in our lives upon meeting them. And these people are meeting their new Lord, and he is riding in on a donkey. But he will not always be upon a donkey. I think it's important for me to read this section that is in our Bibles that is, comes from the last book of the Bible. 
in Revelation. He will not always be riding the foal of a donkey. I want you to, with permission from the preacher, to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to envision this vision that John captured on, on paper for us that the Lord gave to him. Listen to the word of the Lord. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. This is Jesus. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, this day has not yet arrived. We do not know the time when this will happen. But we do know it will come to be. Thank you that in our faith in Christ our Lord, we have peace with you, Almighty God. And I pray for my friends in this room who are listening. Maybe they've heard this message before. Maybe this is the first time ever. Lord, speak to them. And now is the time to bow the knee and surrender to Jesus Christ, King of all kings, Lord of all lords. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus will not always be on the foal of a donkey. One day will come. As we move forward through Matthew chapter 21, we see that there's three more developments I want to see that I want to show you that God is supporting that Jesus is king, king of kings and Lord of lords. As you travel through the passage, we see that in verse six, when he says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them to go get the donkey. Those are great disciples. They are listening to what Jesus is saying to do and they go and do it. How about that? That's called discipleship. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put their cloaks on him, and he sat on them. He sat on the cloaks on this donkey. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks out on the, on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them out on the road. This is laying out the red carpet for this new king. And they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Jesus is in the lineage of King David. 
So Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. He is coming to save us. Save us, save us in the highest, save us. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. That word stirred, it's seo, which is, means that it is being stirred. It's even used where we get our word seismo, where we get seismographs to, to measure how much the earth is quaking. So the, the whole city of Jerusalem is being stirred like no other. City of Jerusalem is typically around 50,000 people at this time, but during the week of Passover, more and more people are coming into the city. 75, 100, 125,000 people are coming into the city and is stretching out beyond the, the city's uh, limits. This is the city that is being stirred up by this king. And people are asking, who is this? Who is this? The second point I want to bring to, the, to our, our attention here is the king demands his house to be a house of prayer. We see this in, in verses 12 through 13. This is Monday. Jesus is cleansing the temple. He's clearing the temple, and he says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. We have no idea that whether this is, uh, that, that the sellers are, are taking advantage of the people who need to buy. They've traveled a long ways into Jerusalem and they need to have a sacrifice and they didn't have time to carry with them a couple of pigeons or whatever animals that they needed. We don't know that the, the sellers were taking advantage of the purchasers, the buyers, or that the buyers were taking advantage of the sellers in some way, but Jesus doesn't speak either way to that. Jesus is just basically condemning both the buyers and the sellers. This is Jesus, the new king, entering Jerusalem, and he's saying there's a new, there's a new way. There's a new way that this sacrificial worship has had its day. There's going to be a new sacrifice, and it's coming at the end of this week. It's coming at the end of this week. Jesus, in his anger, was distracted at those who sold and purchased, and the whole system is now being canceled. Main point was to be that Jesus is trying to drive home for everyone is, is that worship, worship should be unhindered. Worship should be unhindered and not a business, not commerce. Jesus is fulfilling Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. As we can read, the prophet from hundreds of years before Jesus come and share. He says this, Isaiah the prophet says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Jesus is making things right. Jesus is making things right in this very important week. Thirdly, the king opens the eyes of the blind. In verse 14, we read, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The blind and the lame came into the temple. Now, this is, this is revolutionary, that Jesus is, is not only just allowing the blind and the lame because to, to enter the temple, because hundreds of years ago, before that, in 2 Samuel, we read that King David 
did not want the blind and the lame in the temple of the Lord. He didn't want them in there. Jesus not only brings them all people, brings all people into the temple, but he is healing them. He is healing them. He is making the blind to see. This is not just curing a sprained ankle. This is not just clearing a, a sore throat. This is Jesus healing the blind, healing the lame that could not walk straight are now walking straight. You cannot avoid this. This is why Jerusalem, the holy city, is a stir. Something new is happening. Someone new has arrived into the city. There's quite a commotion. Jesus, king of all kings, is in the city. Jesus fulfills Isaiah's prophecy of Israel's king. He restores sight and he restores their hearing. Let's look to Isaiah 35 to see this coming of this king. Jesus is sharing with people here, you can trust the scriptures. Isaiah 35, verse four through six says, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is a new day for Jerusalem. They're starting to see this begin to unfold. The king opens the eyes of the blind. And lastly, the king is hearing the praises of the children. The king has a children's choir bursting out for them. Hosanna in the highest. We see this in verse 15 and 16, Matthew chapter 21. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants nursing babies, you have prepared praise. This is Jesus quoting Psalm 8, 1 and 2. Jesus is quoting this to the people and saying, yes, I'm familiar with this. Have you not read the scriptures? Read this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. This is our king. This is our savior. The king rides in on a donkey's colt. The king demands his house to be a house of prayer. The king opens the eyes of the blind and the king has a children's choir singing his praises. This is our king. So it gets me back to this question of who is this man, as people are asking. Some say he is a prophet, a prophet from, from Nazareth. And some say he's a king. And I say he is the king. The scriptures say he is king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Will you come to this king? 
For those of us who have been walking with Jesus and have been walking in our faith for some time and are mature believers, it's a time to reflect for us upon the scriptures and say how grateful we are for this king to come. And for we know what the rest of the week is gonna behold. And for some of us in this room, it's, it's a time to take an inventory of, of our, our own hearts. And where do we stand before a holy God? Where do we stand before a holy God? Because we know scriptures tell us and we can quickly ad- agree for the wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For those of us who have realized that we need this grace of Jesus, I think Dane Orland puts it pretty well here in his book, Gentle and Lowly. It is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God. Not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapse into the honest acknowledgement that we never will. Let me read that for you again. In the most counterintuitive as- it is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God. Not once we begin to act, get our act together, but once we collapse in the honest acknowledgement that we never will get our act together. Jesus paid it all. We did not know <laughs> we need we had such a debt. We did not know we had such a debt that he would pay for it all. But he did. So who is this man? Who is this Jesus? Who is this king? This king is Jesus. This is the man who comes in on the foal of a donkey. This is the king who will come back someday in righteousness on a white war horse. And no one knows the day or the time. But today, this Jesus comes. And he comes gentle and lowly. Will you receive him? Will you receive this king, this king of all kings and Lord of all lords? Will he be yours today? Bow your heads in prayer with me. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your scriptures that do a beautiful job of sharing with us your plan all along was to bring glory to yourself Jesus, Holy Spirit, and Father God, you determined time ago that Jesus, you would give, come to this earth and offer your life as the sacrifice for all. May we see, Jesus, that you are, you're gentle, you are approachable, You are a king, a king that would come and leave the perfection of heaven and come to this stained and sinful and diseased earth. That you would come and live a beautiful and perfect life, bringing healing and hope to so many. Who is this king? What king would come and offer his life? His perfect and sinless life as a ransom 
for people who are spitting in his face, for people who are turning their back, saying, I never knew him, for people who are handing him over to the authorities for crimes he never convicted. Who is this king? Jesus. Jesus, how can you be so perfect, so righteous, to love us all the way to the point where we never knew we needed to be loved? So, Father, I pray for my friends in this room right now that as we examine our hearts and examine the rooms inside of our hearts, the hallways of our hearts and the closets that we have not let you into yet. May we trust you. Trust this light of Jesus that is gentle, accessible, to come in and clean us. We want to trust you with our whole hearts, all of the hallways of our hearts, all the bedrooms of our hearts, all the closets that we have kept away from you. We want to trust you. You are good, and you are holy, and you are good. Be with us now as we, as we sing our last song to you. And have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a presentation of LifePoint Church. Our goal is to encourage and equip people to become fully developing followers of Christ. For more information, please visit sharethelife.org.